Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for downloading episode 102 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. If you're going to be in the Pensacola area the weekend after Valentine's Day, I'm going to be there too. Me, Hal Loveland, as part of Pensacon. So wherever you are in that Florida panhandle area, come on down to Pensacon. I'm going to be one of the guests there. I'll be signing stuff. I'll be on panels. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out with some of my favorite pro wrestlers. It's going to be an amazing weekend. You can go to Pensacon.com, P-E-N-S-A-C-O-N.com to get tickets and to see more information all about that weekend. It is going to be a fantastic time. And again, it is all going down Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, February 17th, 18th, and 19th. So come check it out. But for now, please enjoy episode 102 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Warner Brothers or Disney? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. What's up, Doc? (laughs) Oh, we both did it. We did. (laughs) You can say that, and then I'll say, oh, hi. Oh, how you doing? How many of these characters do you know how, do you know how to do their voices? Uh, I mean, I know what their voices are. I don't know. Mickey, uh, Goofy. Nope. Sam as them. Mickey, go. Oh, Mickey. Oh, Goofy. Oh, you. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Pluto's just like, <laughs> that's pretty good. Pluto. I can only do angry Donald Duck. I can't talk like him. We've talked about this before. I, there was an audition yeah. that came up to play Donald Duck. And I can't, I know, I, w- I watched YouTube videos. I know it's about mm-hmm. how you place your tongue. And as much as I try, I know you can do it. So why don't you do it? I'll do it. I'll yeah. Do it. And then I'll, <laughs> see, <laughs> see, that's, that's good. All I can do is that. I'm pretty unintelligent. <laughs> that's the only part I can do. I, I <sighs> love me some, I love me some Disney characters. Uh, yes. What about the, the Warner, does Warner Brothers have a big five? Like Disney has a big five. Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Pluto, Goofy. Done. Yes. Yes. You can tell I've said that many times. Uh, I've worked <laughs> at Disneyland. Oh yeah, full disclosure, I used to work at Disneyland for those who um have not listened to much of the show. Yes. Uh, it does keep coming up. And and as you know from from the uh opening we are doing Warner Brothers versus Disney. We have set ground rules because Warner Brothers animation versus Disney animation covers so much ground that we're keeping yes. it to animated shorts produced before 1970. We are not including uh, comic, uh, comic and cartoon properties that were acquired later on. So for right. example, if, if we were looking at it, uh, holistically, everything all together with Warner Brothers, all of a sudden they've acquired Scooby-Doo and Tom and Jerry, which won a ton of Oscars, um, right. in the forties and fifties. So we are not including that. We are not including Freakazoid or Batman the Animated Series or the Animaniacs or Kim Possible or Elena of Avalor. Uh, nothing that was produced post Much to the dismay of our researcher, Kate McManus. Yes. Kate, we apologize <laughs> that there is a great big, great big spreadsheet with a lot of stuff after 1970. Yes. Um, um but we, we are also not going to include to handicap Disney because they were so prolific in, in their, production pre-1970, we're not including animated films. So that includes Correct. all the princesses, all of those characters, Tinkerbell, even though they appeared right. uh, on television, they were originated in films. So we are not counting them in the canon. Now, right. When as- we talk about Disney characters versus Warner yes. Brothers characters, it's the ones that everybody knows. Exactly. It's the Disney Big Five. It's um, Bugs and Daffy and Porky and Yosemite Sam and Foghorn Leghorn over on the Looney Tunes side. And the Tasmanian Devil. I know you had to get that in there. And Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Absolutely. There's lots There's lots and lots of characters to talk about, but that's one of the criteria we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Now, do you feel, Mark uh, – well, let me take your temperature which way you're leaning right now. Uh, right now, even as a person who is a huge Disney file, and that will play into one of our uh, criteria later, I personally – I feel more connected to Looney Tunes than to the Disney shorts. 
Yeah, I do think there's something that happens when you're very young where Disney pulls you in. Because Disney mm-hmm. is very accessible. And and they produce really funny stuff. I mean, the goofy shorts from the 40s, Are absolute the 30s and 40s. physical comedy genius. Hilarious. So well done. And, you know, Donald Duck as a character is great. There's a, there is a short with Pluto where he has a dream that he's on trial and he's sent to hell <laughs> to be tortured. And it is, I, it makes me, cry, it made me cry as a child because I love dogs. And, it and you kinda, didn't want to see a dog, uh, and you didn't want to see a dog go to hell to get Donald back. I'm assuming it's just the Orpheus descending story. <laughs> yes, that's all it was. No, they show it at the cinema, the Main Street Cinema at Disneyland, and it still gets me emotionally. So they're, th- those Disney th- shorts do have substance to them. Absolutely. And one of the ones, uh, one of the ones playing, just a shout out to, uh, yeah. as the former mayor of Main Street. Yes. One of my favorite things to do was to walk and, uh, wander around inside the cinema to watch the old Disney shorts. My favorite was, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's a bunch of the Disney characters playing polo with a bunch of famous movie stars of the day. So there was Clark Gable and Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers and um all kinds of fun characters in yes. there. I believe uh Harpo was riding an ostrich in the yes. polo. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. Uh, it's such Great a shame you had to, cartoon. had to resign in disgrace from that mayorship. I know. Look, a scandal's a scandal, and um I'm just I can apologize for years. I think it may mess with my uh, gubernatorial run, but hopefully people have a short memory or at least a good capacity for forgiveness. You're going to be the governor of Fantasyland. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to bring jobs back to Mickey's Toontown. Oh, it's all about jobs. <laughs> um, um, all right. There, there is an age, though, I was going to say, where you transition to Warner Brothers. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's when you reach that more precocious, curious, like, ain't I a stinker phase of your life. And there is something to the Warner Brothers that just feels like you graduate to Warner Brothers. That being said, and I grew up like a Warner Brothers kid, like I love Disney, always loved Disney. There's something about Warner Brothers that I was drawn to more, but as I have gotten older, and and really gotten back into Disneyland and the Disney films and the Disney Renaissance that started in in eighty nine with Little Mermaid, it it has sort of leveled that playing field for me. Where I look mm-hmm. back on those on those animated shorts, uh, several of which I have on DVD, uh, much more fondly, and I appreciate them a lot more. Are, so, are you saying you you're saying you appreciate the Disney ones after watching the the canon of films? Going back to those, are you saying you're, you would have been a Disney person or looking at the Looney Tunes catalog? No, I'm saying going back to Disney and looking back, so back to, the, to catalog the Disney now, catalog. Gotcha. Yeah, right. I appreciate it more. So it's not as easy a choice for me to make. Right. Um, there are, uh, the more I think about it, it's funny. I always think, well, sure, Mickey Mouse cartoons or Bugs Bunny cartoons. Those are just the two main characters. Uh, and I think, I'm sorry, as a, as a, you know, uh, former and frequent Disney, uh, cast member, mm-hmm. I feel like Bugs Bunny has it on Mickey Mouse all the way. But then I look at the cartoons and there are, first of all, there's so many more Donald Duck cartoons than there are any other. And Donald yes. Duck cartoons are hilarious to me. Maybe it's because Mickey is so nice. And Mickey is what we all ought to be. I mean, he started mean in Steamboat Willie. Mickey was, uh, mean, but yeah. now he's become such a, a corporate icon mascot of all that is family that it feels a little toothless. Donald Duck has always been who we are. Right. He's got, he's Mickey got is a who we want to be. Temper. Who we are. Yeah. He's got a bad temper. He's, he is alternately a good, a, an okay uncle and a terrible uncle. <laughs> I mean, he has a, he has a rough relationship with, with Huey, Dewey and Louie. Um, he has two very interesting uncles, both of whom are pre 1970, Scrooge McDuck in 67, who has certainly become more prominent because of DuckTales. So oh, he was sure. always ever present and the, the idea of him swimming around in his vault full of money was always there, but he didn't really, I don't think, uh, take off until later on. Now Ludwig, Ludwig von Drake, 
his smart uncle mm-hmm. uh, was a little bit more instrumental in the Disney world because he was part of the wonderful world of color and sang the Spectrum song. I don't know. I would argue that Scrooge McDuck is more important than Ludwig von Drake in the in the Disney canon. Glasgow City Council in 2007 named Scrooge McDuck to its list of famous Glaswegians. Now, do you think if it were 1971 that they would add him or the fact that he was the star of DuckTales, a very successful series and a movie afterwards, do you think that helped? I think it was probably, I think it was probably based on his performance as Ebenezer Scrooge in Mickey's Christmas Carol, which honestly, I think he was snubbed by the Academy. (laughs) And that was 1981. So this is post 1970 becomes more difficult when you, when you have that cutoff. So while we seem to be digging into the characters, which it feels like we are doing currently, um, let's, let's go ahead. We, we've talked a little about Donald Duck. Um, we've talked a little bit about his extended family, uh, Scrooge McDuck and Ludwig von Drake. Uh, yes. I know you're a big Ludwig von Drake fan and wanted to keep, wanted to keep the cutoff point late enough that he could be included in it. Well, he's an important, um, he's an important character. And of course, was voiced by Paul Freese, who was also yes. the voice of the Haunted Mansion and many other, uh, great, uh, characters and, and attractions and the Disney family. One of the family. absolute legends. Uh, you've yeah. also got, uh, his girlfriend, Daisy Duck. Introduced yes. in 1937. Donald was introduced in 1934. Yes. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie, his nephews, uh, who were introduced in 1938, uh, who Donald Duck becomes Margaret Dumont to their Marx brothers more often than not. Um, if Margaret Dumont did not have any decorum. Yes. Um, <laughs> Daisy, I don't know much about except that she's very sweet. That's like, there's not really. Yes, there is. It is just like the epitome of joy and kindness. The, As look, is the, Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse doesn't have much of an edge to her. She's sort no. of a damsel in distress. No, there is a, there is a, a larger issue in both of these cartoon companies, mm-hmm. especially when you look at it just in the shorts, that it's, it's a sausage party primarily. That oh, the female yeah. characters they bring in are just sort of to counterbalance and be the sweet side. Yeah, the only so, one I can think of on the Looney Tunes side is uh the uh the old maid hen, Henrietta. That Henrietta yes. that Foghorn Leghorn messes with cuz yeah. Foghorn Leghorn is a real jerk. Yes, he is. He's a um, ter- he's a really terrible yeah, character. He's really mean. Um so so do- if do- Donald Duck provides the edge to the Disney cartoons, uh, Goofy is the one that provides the, uh, slapstick. Yes. The, the, the Goofy is a great character. Of course, there's the idea that inexplicably he is a completely sentient speaking dog as opposed to Pluto, who is a regular dog. But right. The Let's Goof- not think too much about that. Yeah. Now you've had Goofy, Donald and Mickey working together as ghost hunters. They're, mm. they're the, uh, sort of the three amigos, uh, even though, uh, even though there are the uh, the other three amigos with Donald and the rooster. oh, those are the three caballeros. Yeah, the the three caballeros. But mm-hmm. really, like the holy trinity of those three characters are Mickey, Goofy, and and Donald. Goofy's mm-hmm. instructional shorts, where it's are, it's all about modern oh. living, are fantastic. Whether it's him using gym equipment and on a on a set of rings flying through the, his his wall and the wall of the apartment above him, so he keeps <laughs> just going. <laughs> those those uh are that i think maybe that on the disney side is my maybe i just like the slapstick is my absolute favorite series and wiley e. coyote on the looney tunes side is my favorite series on that side okay interesting interesting um, because it's just cartoon characters getting hurt yes i feel bad saying that uh, <laughs> wiley e. coyote deserves it I don't think uh, Goofy deserves being as hurt as he gets. No, he's more klutzy. He's like more fun klutzy mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to Wiley Coyote, who's evil and getting his comeuppance. So absolutely. And then there's Tom and Jerry, which is, you know, it's probably good they're not included in this because you know what distinction they have, right? Uh, I do not. In those cartoons, the they're the only cartoons where after – a violent act is perpetrated on Tom. He screams bloody murder. <laughs> so if you dip his tail and set it on fire, he screams like it is the last breath he will ever exhale. And it's, 
you you don't think about it as a child watching it because it's just so funny. But it is the only cartoon where there there's some consequence to the violence in terms of oh that character feels pain. I mean, you can take a shotgun to Daffy Duck's face and knock his bill around to the backside, <laughs> and he just goes. You He'll just move it around. This means war. Yeah, he just spins the bill back around. And 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 I and now I have images of Wiley e. Coyote just slumping away as an accordion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the later Chuck Jones. I mean, to me, it's later. The Chuck Jones era of well, – we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We're on Disney yes. right now. Have we covered the main characters for Disney? I mean, those are the – I think Mickey – again, Mickey, I know that he's very tightly guarded in terms of copyright. And mm-hmm. they ver- they're very controlling of that character. And I know he's changed to become a lot more wholesome over time. But you can't discount – how important a character he is Absolutely. in pop culture and how important Steamboat Willie is for being the first uh, animated short with sound. And then he also um, speaks for the first time in another – in a Silly Symphonies because you had the Looney Tunes from Warner Brothers and the Silly Symphonies from Disney with The Haunted House where the 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 first – I believe the first thing that Mickey ever says in any animated short is, who, me? Because the skeleton tells him to play the piano. Ah, and it was Walt Disney's voice, yes? Yes, that's correct. Um, I feel like this, uh, Mickey Mouse, we are going to get to very extensively when we get to another one of our criteria later on. Okay, that's fair. Um, so, uh, let's move on to the, uh, Looney Tunes characters, of which there are way more, it feels. So do you not want to talk about, like, Peg Leg Pete or Chippendale? Oh, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot Peg Leg Pete and Chippendale. And yeah. Clarabelle Cow, you're right. There are yes. three minor characters, though Chip and Dale, I would argue, are a little more well-known than Peg Leg Pete and Clarabelle Cow nowadays. Yes, although Peg Leg Pete kept going. He did – well, Peg Leg Pete was in DuckTales and he was in Goof Troop mm-hmm. and House of Mouse. And he Mouse was, I believe, robbed uh, from the Oscars the year that he played the Ghost of Christmas Future in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Well, you really love Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, I really do. Whose grave is that? Why yours, Ebenezer? Yeah, he's he's great. And he was important in those early uh, pieces. He was the foil to Mickey. Yeah. So, you know, he you can't discount him. Clarabelle Cow was more of a minor character, although she's hilarious looking. Yes. And what uh, Clarabelle Cow always seemed to uh, just show up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Like, I just always remember Clarabelle Cow in these old ones. Mickey would be running away from Peg Leg Pete and he would wind up. You know, like running under Clarabelle Cow's legs and her yeah. going, ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember about Clarabelle Cow is that she was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes. And here's an odd fact from our research. Um, apparently, even though she is a minor character in the Disney animated universe, she's apparently a big deal in Italy. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know what makes her such a big character there. Well, in but, uh, in cartoons that are primarily in English language, having a character that just goes "woo," <laughs> the universal language, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will point out woo. something else about Peg Leg Pete. Going back to him quickly, please. Nineteen twenty-five, first character created. So, uh, or oldest villain in this uh, in the group. I, I I don't know if he was with Oswald as the villain or what, but of the Disney canon, he's the oldest character. Yes. It looks like. Or of of this research, he's the oldest character, I should say. Yes, that is true. Um, all right, so let's go on to uh, – oh, Chip and Dale. We have any – the Chip and Dale are fun. I feel like they're the – they're they've got a bit of a – they're like Pluto's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yes. Uh, they're the ones that, that are – they just torture poor Pluto, <laughs> which makes them a lot of fun. Pluto is – can we talk about Pluto for a second? Yeah, how did we miss talking about Pluto? Because I love Pluto. I, Pluto is – first of all, here's another thing about Mickey Mouse. As nice as he is, he's not a good dog owner. Pluto is underfed. <laughs> you can see his ribs all the time. His yeah. collar doesn't even fit. He's all, If he jumps into water, a bunch of fleas jump off of him. He's probably got mange. <laughs> he's got his yeah, teeth. I- like somehow Mickey has had his teeth replaced with human teeth. <laughs> and he's also the only character who you can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. But he does – like there is a lot of like Pluto's job is to be tortured. 
whether it's by Chip and Dale because he's hunting them down, which of course, why wouldn't they defend themselves? Or if like they're on a hunting trip and he gets shot or he like, it seems like just <laughs> he's constantly paying for the crime of being a dog. Yes. Like that is his greatest defense. So I'm, I just, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm a Pluto apologist. I just feel a lot of sympathy for him. I think he, I think he's an adorable character and I had a stuffed Pluto that I loved so much and then I lost it and like I left it in a hotel room or something on a trip and I like I had nightmares about it for months. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I had the Pluto hat from Disney World when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. Yeah. Um and also Pluto loses points because he's no longer a planet. <laughs> um Let's move on to the the Looney Tunes collection of characters. Sure. Um, the big one, introduced in 1940, the official mascot of Warner Brothers, Bugs yes. Bunny. Yes. Uh, now, Bugs Bunny was the perfect... I, I, I think Bugs Bunny is the perfect cartoon character. Really? Uh, yeah. I, he, he exists for no reason other than chaos. And cartoons exist for no reason other than chaos. And his chaos will sometimes come in physical form, but usually it is his mouth that does all of the work. And, uh, and he's changed his look through the years. Uh, he's not much like Mickey Mouse and all the other characters have. Um, and I think the Chuck Jones version of, uh, of Bugs Bunny and his expressiveness. I just, I love Bugs Bunny so much. Um, so, and I love that, you know, Mickey was, oh boy. And, uh, and Bugs Bunny was, what's up, doc? There's so much more menace in that. Yes. He did make me want to eat carrots. And I don't like, like, I hate the sound of people eating food. I do not <laughs> like it. Like, there are Carl's Jr. commercials. If you're not familiar with Carl's Jr., it's a burger chain, uh, very mm. prominent in Southern California. And their ads feature like a supermodel, like a Paris Hilton or whoever eating one of their burgers, like they're washing a car or whatever. And then they start eating a burger and it's the grossest eating. It's just like, <laughs> like it's just nasty. But the sound of him chewing on a carrot is for some reason is like, oh, I, like it, it gives me happy memories because it makes me think yeah. of, of his cartoons. Yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 and that is, I don't know if that was the Foley guys or if that was Mel Blanc. Right. Uh, shout out to Mel Blanc. Yes. Who voiced all of the male, uh, or the vast majority, I'm not sure if there are small ones that he didn't, of, uh, the Looney Tunes universe. These characters, the, the idea that all of these characters came out of one mouth is mind blowing to me. Yes. Yeah. He is, uh, a, a legend among legends. Mm-hmm. The greatest voiceover artist of all time, I would say. Yeah, I think it's that's pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty hard to to argue otherwise. Yeah, there are so many great dynamic relationships in in War Brothers. This is really about uh, there's there's a yin for every yang. So Bugs Bunny faces off with Elmer Fudd. Bugs Bunny faces off with Daffy Duck. Tweety and Sylvester are in their dance forever. Uh, Pepe Le Pew and the cat who mistakenly falls down a white pole that's just been painted have their dance. Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny. Gossamer and Bugs Bunny. Really, Bugs Bunny is a really large enemy list. Yeah. <laughs> who are his uh, friends? And, well, it is, his enemies are people who deserve it, which is one thing I love about Bugs Bunny. Sure. Is that it's someone who has either done him personally wrong uh, or someone who – into the in the grand scheme is considered a villain. Yes. Like uh, when when Yosemite Sam is playing a Hessian and Bugs Bunny is a revolutionary war hero. Uh the <laughs> Yosemite Sam it's like, "Oh, this is an American cartoon. Here's the American side, here's the bad guy side." Yeah. So, uh <laughs> watch Bugs. And then, you know, it's just uh and Gossamer, uh Gossamer the giant red uh, monster. Orange yes. or red? What would you say? I think he's orange. Okay. Uh, the giant orange, uh, monster who Bugs Bunny does his nails in that iconic monster manicure. Scene. Oh yeah. Monsters must know the most interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> 
And and don't forget at the end of that cartoon, what is Gossamer afraid of? People. Well, uh, Bunny shells in the audience. Audience, and he goes people, and then he that's runs right through the, through a series of walls that all bear his shape. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, the, the wall that's uh, a shape, by the way, leads me to, um, one Disney character. I know we gotta eliminate him because he was way later, but it, it just made me think of that, uh, Roger Rabbit going through the Venetian blinds and leaving a Roger Rabbit shaped hole in Venetian blinds. So shout out to Roger yes. Rabbit. We should point um, out, uh, just for the sake of history, the only time that Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse appeared on screen together, or at least the first time it ever happened, was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's right. And they, um, they, if you notice in that scene, they are essentially equals with one another. And I think that was part of the terms of their use was that one not appears smarter than the other. I mean, they basically team up to, to make Eddie look like a fool. When they're, when, when they're parachuting in. Yes. And, uh, Bugs convinces, uh, Mickey to be a little bit mean to him. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, that, that's, that's Bugs being a bad influence on Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is a wholesome character. And Bugs is like, yeah, give him an anvil instead of a parachute. <laughs> and Mickey's like, oh, okay. That sounds fun. I'm never this naughty. When you think about Porky Pig, what is the signature, uh, short for you? Because I have one in mind. The one I remember is when Porky Pig was going around the Warner Brothers lot. Do you remember this? Tell me about it. My favorite Porky Pig uh is from an old uh an old cartoon from 1940. Uh I know he had a great relationship with Daffy through the years and the two of them played beautifully off of each other. Uh Daffy was an angry irate Oscar to Porky Pig's fastidious Felix. Yes. Um but uh there was one in 1940 called You Ought to Be in Pictures where it is Porky Pig and Daffy Duck uh, com- combined live action and animation. So Leon Schlesinger was actually in this cartoon. Um, and it's the two of them, uh, riding around, uh, the, riding around the Warner, Bl- riding around the Warner Brothers lot, uh, with Daffy wanting to be the biggest star in the studio. And, uh, Porky goes, uh, and helps him out. It is an absolutely bizarre little insight into this world. <laughs> and it was so much fun. Um, but this was before the golden age. Like there were, there were a few that they made. The golden age of, uh, Looney Tunes was really, I think, like the mid forties onward because that was yeah. when, that was when they had the three units. It was Chuck Jones, Fritz Freeling and, uh, Robert McKimson. And those were the three units that made all of the Warner Brothers, uh, like just amazing, amazing Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. Uh, uh what is your favorite Porky? For me, the quintessential Porky Pig mm-hmm. is called is a short called Curtain Razor. It's from 1949, okay. and it's him as a talent agent. So he's sitting in his office while a series of acts come in. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. So it's got the tiny grass uh, hopper who goes, "I killed him in Kukamanga," and he has a I button that this. opens it's a trapdoor. Parade of characters. Yeah, it's really the whole thing was just showing off how many different voices. Uh, Mel Blanc could do. Yes. Uh, and I believe he was the salesman from Walla Walla, Washington was in yes. that one. Uh, there was the two headed guy who comes in. He's like, Oh, look, a two headed act and act schmacked. I'm the janitor. The yeah. two heads said in unison. Yes. Uh, yeah. Boy, <laughs> I forgot about that one. That was a great one. Do you remember yeah. a movie that was a compilation film of Looney Tunes, uh, called Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island? Yes, I do. I do it remember was- that. That movie was, uh, that is, that's sort of a greatest hits movie of Looney Tunes. Um, it, it, it's Daffy Duck and a wishing well and Speedy Gonzalez and they build a fantastic island that is like Fantasy Island and people come and drop, uh, coins into the wishing well and then they play clips from classic Looney Tunes. It is yep. an absolute joy of a movie. They did have uh, – they did that and they did a Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie in 1981. There was like a movement in the late 70s, early 80s where they were like, let's turn these compilations into feature films and we can get a little bit more money out of them. Because this is before really? like the heyday of home video where you would mm-hmm. buy tapes or rent tapes and then later DVDs. So that, that was, was just very a, smart. make it accessible. Um, so that's where I remember that Porky Pig cartoon from. I see. Was from that. Um, 
But then uh, once they had built these units and they were just churning out these cartoons starting in the 40s, we've talked about Porky Pig yep. uh, and Bugs Bunny. The uh, You know what? Before we get to that, let's talk about the others from the early years. Uh, sure. That would be the other greatest, the counterpart to Donald, Daffy Duck. Yes. Uh, recreated two years or three years after Donald uh, by Looney Tunes. And, oh, man, Daffy Duck. Uh yeah, he was much in the same way Donald was. He was a real jerk, uh, but he was also a really mouthy jerk. And that may have been because even though he also had a speech impediment, his wasn't as severe as Donald's was. Yes. Yeah. And there are uh, so many great Do- Daffy Duck shorts. There's Duck Amuck. There's Duck Dodgers. Duck Amuck may be my all-time favorite Looney Tune. Yeah. Um I mean, <laughs> the entire meta plot of Duck Amuck where he's talking directly to the animator and trying to tell him what he wants. And meanwhile, the animator is repeatedly drawing things wrong or racing his mouth or changing his body without him seeing. And then the reveal at the end that it's Bugs Bunny the whole time has been drawing him is such a great <laughs> encapsulation of their relationship. Because Daffy Duck is like uh, unchecked avarice. He always goes after mm-hmm. the the pearls and gets him in trouble with with Hassan, the oh, genie, yeah. the Hassan chop. Um, <laughs> he uh, if Daffy or if if Donald if Mickey is who we want to be and Donald is who we are, uh, Daffy is who we fear we could become if we ever just went. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I I agree with that one hundred percent. Uh, and that his yeah his unapologetic uh just. Every, all seven of the deadly sins, he is all of them rolled into one glorious character. Yeah, he really is. I mean, the, the look on his face when he sees a bunch of treasure and his tongue comes out of his bill and his, his <laughs> pupils get really small as the whites of his eyes get really big. It's so great. Um, just a couple of other, uh, shorts of it. We talked about Duck Dodger. Um, there's always, uh, a Robin Hood Daffy where he's Robin Hood. Yes. And Porky Pig is his Friar Tuck and is, it is way more capable than him in every, in every possible way. Sure. He's Daffy. He's, uh, he's not capable of much. Yes. And again, but that's... he's capable of everything. If <laughs> scruples were, uh, were what we were talking. Is there ever a, a, a short you can remember where he, I, I mean, he's also similar to Donald in that he never comes out on top ever, right? No. He also never learns a lesson, so he shouldn't come out on top. Yeah, I feel like there are more lessons inherent in Disney shorts because there's one where 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 Donald is really suspicious of his nephews and yells at them the whole time they were getting him a birthday gift because they're <laughs> such troublemakers. So you learn not to jump to assumptions. Um, yeah, the Disney is the cartoon that has the oh the world owes me a living, and at the end that character. Uh, I, I can't remember who the character is. Is it a grasshopper? Why can I not remember? Who, or maybe it's Goofy. It might have been Goofy in that one. And then at you the end. You can't tell the difference between Goofy and a grasshopper? Well, I can't remember who the lead character is in that short. I, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's Goofy. I'm sure whoever's listening to this that is a, a bigger animation fan than either of us is going insane right now. So I'm going to keep saying wrong characters. Yeah. So it's Donald Duck and. Yeah. But at the end, the character is singing, oh, well, the world of living. So there is a lesson that's learned and there is no mm-hmm. lesson learned in Warner Brothers, like you said, is pure mayhem and pure fun. So yes. as we get got into those like Chuck Jones heavy years of the mid to late 50s into the early 60s where he really was the dominant animator and it was his visual style. I mean, it's pure silliness. Wile E. Coyote never learns a lesson. The, the oh no! Tasmanian Devil never learns a lesson because he's primarily he primarily was a bad guy. He was another foil for Bugs Bunny. Yeah, and, well, he didn't ever learn a lesson because I don't think he understood the concept of a lesson. That's true. Yeah, he's just mayhem. Like they really just with the Tasmanian Devil, they just took and went. You know what? Screw it. We're just making absolute pandemonium a character. <laughs> he just eats everything. He just creates a mess. That is all he knows how to do. Yeah. Um, let's talk um, about Sylvester and Tweety real quick. Well, uh, uh, no, wait, you know sure. what? Let's, let me go back to Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. I don't like the Roadrunner okay. as a character. 
Uh, he's not much, but a foil. Yeah. I always want Wiley Coyote to win. Wh- whether he speaks or doesn't, I think he's such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, like, the Roadrunner's smug almost makes me root for Wiley Coyote. Yes. Like, look at this smug Roadrunner. You know what? Yeah. Drop that boulder on his head. <laughs> Sit on that <laughs> rocket that you think is going to take you into the Roadrunner, but is really going to shoot you way past the Roadrunner into the side of a mountain. <laughs> it's true. And no matter how, like, the Wiley Coyote works real hard. He's, oh, yeah. He must have oh, a lot. He is, how do you, where do you think he gets his money from? Because he orders a lot of stuff from Acme. You know, it's funny. When you hear him talk, he has that very sort of, uh, I, I can't describe his voice, but he sounds very posh. Yes. So, you know, he, he must come from money. His name is Wile E. Coyote. Nobody yes. uses their middle initial unless they come from money. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's, um, let's go back a little ways because I'm, I'm just looking at the timeline here. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Elmer Fudd. Sure. Uh, the El- another one of the early ones introduced in the Looney Tunes canon. Yes. Uh, Elmer Fudd, foil, uh, and arch enemy of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Yes. Super famous for the, uh, rabbit season, duck season, but did many, many cartoons, uh, with Warner Brothers. Uh, singularly focused, not terribly bright. I, and I believe he and Bugs debuted in the same short. Yes. And, and uh, I, he looked much different. He had a bright red nose. He was doing kind of a W.C. Fields, Emmett Kelly thing. Yes. But then he – I think he still had his catchphrase, wasn't it? Which is, be very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Uh, you're the perfect partner for this episode, by the way. <laughs> How is that? Every voice uh, – if anybody goes, which one is that? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, so uh, then Tweety in 1942. I don't know when Tweety appeared without Sylvester, but Tweety without Sylvester is just – Probably super boring in a cartoon. Yeah, I think Tweety was a slightly different character originally. I don't, you know, it's so hard because he's, he's so tied to Sylvester that it's yeah. hard to imagine him without, but there were shorts without him. I think it was more him and, might have been more him and Granny. Because of course, mm-hmm. Granny was the owner of Tweety and Sylvester, sure. who would beat Sylvester with her umbrella. Uh, um, I feel bad for Sylvester in those, in those cartoons. Yes. Because uh, Tweety is, much like the Roadrunner, Tweety has this sort of smug thing about him that is really off-putting. Well, he's he's constantly baiting Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, I feel like Sylvester gets. Uh, I feel like Sylvester is being entrapped. I feel like Sylvester is being used. I feel like it's the equivalent of someone, you know, putting a briefcase with a camera in it, getting a prostitute, and getting you to go to a Vegas hotel room. <laughs> Let's record it just for fun. Yeah. Just for our own recording. <laughs> Wasn't he also sometimes uh, Porky Pig's cat and did not speak? Was he? I, I'm I don't remember sure, that. I'm pretty sure that that he was. In fact, yes, there's Scaredy Cat. There's Claws for Alarm. They, they spend the night <laughs> oh. in an old dark house. Oh, the name. Co- okay, yeah. Uh, in fact, there is a short called Scaredy Cat in which they spend the night in a haunted house uh, where – Porky Pig is completely oblivious to all the danger around them, and only Sylvester sees it. So Sylvester is is sort of a caretaker for Porky Pig. So he's he's got a duality to him, much like like Daffy does. Sometimes Daffy is mm-hmm. Bugs' friend, but also sometimes he's a, he's a foil. So uh, yeah, I, I I love Sylvester. That 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 Sylvester is he seems like the most complex of them. Oddly. Yes. Um. Which makes me very happy about him. Uh, there's also not on this list, uh, while we're on the subject of cats, there's, uh, Pussyfoot. Yeah, I do remember Pussyfoot. Pussyfoot was, was paired with Mark Anthony the Bulldog. That's right. And- um, and, uh, and I have a keychain from when I worked at, uh, Six Flags and it's a Pussyfoot keychain and oh. I'm very excited to get it because <laughs> we were always late everywhere. <laughs> So I didn't want to leave Pussyfoot off the list. No, and Mark Ant, those are great. That's another great dynamic relationship because Pussyfoot is just a cute little kitten who constantly mm-hmm. is clawing on the back of this big bulldog, Mark Anthony, who drives him nuts. But it's his job to take care of her. 
So he gets real annoyed. Like he, uh, he gets real annoyed until she's in, he thinks that she's in danger and then he's broken apart. <laughs> yeah. These are complex relationships. They were the Marvel comics to Disney's DC. Yes. Um, so now we hit, we're hitting, uh, right around 1945 now, which is when a bunch of characters began in two years. They introduced, uh, Pepe Le Pew, Sylvester was 45, Yosemite Sam, Gossamer, Foghorn, Leghorn. Um, right. and then Marvin the Martian in 48. This was when they were just churning out characters. Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote came around in 1949. Um, and, then it slowed down after that. But that period of the late forties, boy, they were just churning out masterpieces. And we, yes. we, we should probably speed up the process because there are a million of them. So why don't we, uh, why don't we all go through each character and you give the reader's digest, uh, color commentary for them? How's that? Perfect. Great. Um, Pepe Le Pew. Uh, I mean, a fun character, amorous French skunk falls Rapist. in love with a cat. Yeah, he did seem a little bit rapey. Yeah, yeah. kind of not okay. A lot of things he could get away with yeah. in the 50s and be like, isn't this charming? It's sort of like, that cat's not interested. No means no, Peppy. <laughs> Take a powder. Yosemite Sam. I mean, Yosemite Sam's classic. Cla- he's the rootinest, tootinest, shootinest villain in the, in the wild, wild west. And when he would get to swearing. It was the funniest. Oh, it, yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um the old man in A Christmas Story when he would swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't understand any of it, and it's absolute joy. All right. Um, Foghorn Leghorn. I mean, he's a great Southern gentleman. Again, another character who thinks he's smarter than he is and is always like, good boy, but not too bright. And then he's got like the chicken hawk that he's got to face off against. He's got Henrietta. There are a lot of dynamics at play there too. Like he's yeah. sort of a protector and he wants to be the big man on campus or around the farm, but he also oh, he, doesn't. That, his, his biggest thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, he's not interested in, uh, in Henrietta, who's the only one who's interested in him. The, the hen wearing the blue bonnet and glasses who's always knitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. The old maid. Yeah. She's the old maid. Um, Foghorn Leghorn to me, the reason I adore Foghorn Leghorn is his confidence. Foghorn Leghorn knows that he is the best at doing everything that he does. Sure. If you are mending a fence, Foghorn Leghorn is the best fence mender in the world and will show you and tell you how to do it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. He has experience and he is my favorite blowhard in the cartoon universe. (laughs) I did love him being thrown into the machine. Which turned him into a hen, like put a girdle on him and lipstick <laughs> and fake eyelashes and makeup. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it bound, fantastic. Bound up his, uh, bound up his mouth to make his, uh, his beak pouty. Yeah. <laughs> um, now we get to, uh, Marvin the Martian. Oh, I mean, I, the, the great, and, uh, my, my friend Eric Bowza, who I first mm-hmm. met years ago, is now the voice of Marvin the Martian. Really? Which is the best. I mean, he's That's a great guy and super talented. But uh, I, I used to have Marvin the Martian slippers and that. I claim oh, this yeah. planet in the name of Mars. Hmm, isn't that lovely? Hmm? I love I the that t-shirt. Character. I loved the t-shirt. Um, and also uh, Marvin's likeness appears in miniature on the Spirit Rover on Mars as well as on the mission launch pad. So the only one of these characters who is currently on the surface of Mars is Marvin the Martian, which That's feels right. appropriate. Finally home. Um, uh oh uh let's see Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog from I mean, one from one short. Yes, but a great short. Uh yeah, and again a, really a very fun relationship where they're completely antagonistic of one another until the clock uh until they clock out and then they're buddies and they'll go get a drink or go have lunch together. It's a really mm-hmm. really interesting look at uh at at the the sometimes complex nature of relationships. <laughs> Um, and then fi- and then finally, uh, Speedy Gonzalez. This is another one that's a character that you probably wouldn't have now because oh, it, very much he's so uh, racist. I'm actually partial to his cousin, Slowpoke Rodriguez, who's the one who walks in and goes, That's right. Cousin Speedy, so now where is it the cheese? These are just awful, horrible racial stereotypes. 
Yes, but he is uh Speedy Gonzalez is a mouse of the of the people and mm-hmm. he does bring food to the impoverished village. Yeah. And and he usually is outsmarting uh, usually Sylvester was the one who had to guard the cheese factory. Oh, that's right. Still super racist. Yeah, racist, but at least he's ca- at least they don't make him stupid. He is the smartest character on the screen. That's um, true. And the most able. He is, a, he is a hero. All right. That took one of the criteria that we have chosen. Yes. Characters took the bulk of the episode. So why don't we take a little break and we'll come back and look at the, the other criteria. That's the most important one. That's right. So for the first half of the episode, that's all, folks. Going into a bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work but i don't know what's going to happen oh that's interesting i never thought about that is that possible is that's that possible yeah should i check with your therapist <laughs> <laughs> no but i will be <laughs> who are you dude you all over the place i got a lot of respect for you man that's that's dope bullseye creators you know creators you need to know find it at maximumfun.org or wherever you get podcasts The first ever Very, Very Fun Day is coming to Tally Hall in Chicago on February 11th with media sponsorship from WBEZ 91.5. Advanced tickets are sold out, but we will have a limited number of tickets for sale at the door. So come on out for a day jam-packed with five great Max Fun podcasts, four local shows, and a comic showcase. For more information, please visit MaximumFun.org slash Very, Very Fun Day. I hope that wasn't the first half of the episode. Well, you know, in terms of one half being before the commercial break and the other half being, it could be disproportionate. Sure. Halves can be disproportionate. There's not a finite fixed number for what a half is. <laughs> Redefining um, math all the time. That's we got this. Uh, alternative halves. Yes. Uh, all right. So uh, here are the other criteria. And I feel like if, looking at that first criteria, uh, characters, I feel like we have to give it to... Looney Tunes, hands down. I mean, you saw how excited we both got about all of those. That's true. There is something to the Disney. It feels weird to discount Disney because they they only need like five or six characters to match how iconic all the other characters are. Well, let's let's talk about that then. Okay. This is going to be. Uh, oh, and I will. I'm going to say also one of our other criteria uh, was comedy, and we did talk a lot about how they're just the Looney Tunes are just funnier. Yes. But let's talk about one of our other criteria that Disney definitely has the lead in, and that is legacy. Oh, yeah. And there's no question that that the Disney characters have left an – you know, you don't get a Bugs Bunny watch. No. The uh, – I mean, this is a juggernaut of generations and generations of kids and adults loving these cartoons, loving these characters. uh, And it created – a giant, like, Six Flags has the license to the Warner Brothers characters. Yeah. They license these characters and they walk around the park and sign autographs. Sure. Disney built its entire theme park empire as well as a cinematic empire. And they may have an actual land empire by this point. I don't know. They may have a, a, a ruler, a legally appointed emperor and thousands or if not millions of uh, citizens. I don't know. Um, but Disney definitely has created a juggernaut off of these characters. And, and they're so beloved. They're, it's not, it's not an, I, I don't mean to poke fun at an undue, uh, and say that, and say that it's not a well deserved, uh, legacy that they've created. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and th- there's some, I mean, M- Mickey Mouse, you can all you have to do is see three circles together, and you yeah. know you think of Disney immediately. Three circles, and you think of one of these iconic cartoon characters. Yeah, it's not just that they're iconic; it's that there's an iconography to them, mm-hmm. and they mean something that you don't really get out of out of Warner Brothers. Not in the same way, even though even though they are like equal. It's not necessarily that one is so much better than the other it's really it always boils down to preference really but mm-hmm. in terms of iconic you can't beat those disney characters you can't beat. i mean mickey alone 
if it was Mickey against all the Warner Brothers characters, Disney still wins. Yes. In Legacy. Um, so well, let's get back to Legacy in a minute because I think that's what this is going to come down to ultimately is the Legacy versus the characters. Uh, but let's talk about, we have two other criteria that seem, um, smaller in this regard. One of them is kind of related to Legacy and that is iconic moments. Oh. Um, do you think one edges out the other in its uh, vast collection of iconic moments, whether it's Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd in What's Opera Doc or Mickey Mouse in Steamboat Willie um, tooting that horn while driving the steamboat? There are some there, both of them have created absolutely iconic moments. Wiley Coyote falling off a cliff and holding up a sign before he does it. Um, what do you think? All of What's Opera Doc. Yeah. In its entirety. Um, you, you can name specific moments from shorts more easily with Warner Brothers than you can with Disney. I think you are, I think that Warner has to have the edge on that one. I would agree with you a hundred percent. Even though there are so many great, Di- I mean, the Disney shorts are great. And, and if you watch them, your, your memory would be dro- jogged right away and they're enjoyable and great, but mm-hmm. there's so many more moments tattooed under my brain. Rabbit season, duck season, as you said. Um, D- duck Dodgers, Robin Hood Daffy, uh, the Pismo Beach and all the clams you can eat. Mm-hmm. Hassan Chop. Uh, the, um, the, the thing about the Disney, uh, the Disney legacy is the iconic moments seem to come from the movies a lot more than they come from the uh the, a lot more than they come from the shorts. Yes. That is true. I mean, there's there's the swirling, you know, the swirling uh tornado of uh the Mickey Symphony is an iconic moment. Sure. Um there's a lot of Christmas cartoons with iconic moments, Chip and Dale and Pluto singing Fa La La together and then slapping Do Not Open Till Christmas over his mouth. Or is that just yes. iconic to me because I watched that VHS <laughs> tape a lot as a kid. Because you love it so much. No, that, look, um, we are. There is a handicap to this, where mm-hmm. we're taking the feature films away, and that which handicaps which, Disney. It handicaps Disney in the legacy department as well, because much of that legacy, I would argue that uh, at least a good chunk of that legacy started at Snow White, not at Mickey. Well, if you don't, if Mickey wasn't popular, then you don't. He doesn't get to take the gamble to make feature right. films. Right. Mickey was an icon at that point already. Sure. But I just mean the legacy in general. When we think of the legacy of Disney, it, uh, it has not all to do. I know Walt famously said it all started with a mouse. Sure. But it wasn't all built by a mouse. Right. And it really all started with Oswald the Rabbit. Right. Just the mouse took um, off. The other criteria we wanted to talk about was the music in them. Yeah. I mean, Look, they both have great music, but mm-hmm. which do you which stands out to you? The I feel like the scores to the Looney Tunes. Uh well and and I guess rightfully so because Looney Tunes came out of uh was it Merry Melodies or Silly Sim Merry Melodies. Yes. Looney Tunes came out of Merry Melodies which were originally designed to be classical music with cartoons over the top. Right. And they kept they maintained that uh they maintained that aesthetic as did disney when they were doing silly symphonies back in the day which was yeah. before the mickey cartoons uh so the the way that they broke it down disney had silly symphonies early on and then the mickey cartoons were separate and then uh there were the donald cartoons and the pluto cartoons and they each got their own uh series the thing about looney tunes is they were uh they always maintained that that was a part of it tunes is spelled t u n e s right uh the that legacy of the merry melodies uh at where they were music that was set to classical music or cartoons that were ah! yes the legacy the legacy of it being classical music with cartoons on top of it that was created by merry melodies I feel like that legacy led into Looney Tunes, whereas at Disney, they had their silly symphonies, which was very similar, but the Mickey, Donald, and Pluto, and all of those cartoons were a totally separate series of cartoons. Yes. So I think they just didn't pay as much attention to the music. Now, I here's what's interesting, is the man who who is most responsible, who mm-hmm. between 1936 and 1958 
scored in excess of 600 cartoons at the rate of one score per week. His name wow. is Carl Stalling, and he had worked at Disney uh, on some of his early animations, but then switched. So all of that iconic music comes from him, and it's all borrowed from classical music, but it had to be timed out to those specific mm-hmm. animated shorts. So all of that, that's Carl Stalling. Out of respect to Carl Stalling and his masterful work, then I think we have to also give the edge in this one to Looney Tunes. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that music is iconic, including that. I mean, that's just so mm-hmm. great. That whole, the whole theme is uh, that again. That's the iconic thing about Looney. If you hear, even if you hear that, you know, you think about Warner mm-hmm. Brothers. Absolutely. So, I guess our question in the end is. If Warner Brothers has the edge on characters, music, iconic moments, does the legacy created by Mickey Mouse outshine all of that? It is a, and that's not a, and that's, that's not to say that the answer should immediately be no based on the way that I put it. It really could. It's an incredible legacy. Yes. So, but do we think that that legacy holds more weight than the laughs of the canon of Looney Tunes. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do um, – I kind of want to do a one, two, three, or should we vote? Let's vote. I feel like – let's do – oh, we haven't done a one, two, three in a while. I like that. All right. Okay. So this is – we're just going to say Looney Tunes or Disney as the winner. Yes. All right. All right. Let me clear my head so that the correct answer – Comes out. Ready. Yes. You count. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know which of us was going to I count. know. We're very polite. One, two, three. Looney, Looney Tunes. Tunes. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah. People of the world, you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Disney's great. We love Disney. Y'all know I'm a Disney fan. Mark was a Disney cast member. He was the mayor of Main Street for crying out loud. But there's something about those Warner Brothers shorts. They're hilarious. They stick with you. They're still as funny now as they were when they were initially released. And if you haven't seen them before, go see them. What, where, what island are you on? How do you get podcasts? How? I don't even understand how this is happening. You haven't seen these things. The Warner Brothers shorts, while while the characters may not have the legacy of a Mickey Mouse who by himself maybe outranks every cartoon character ever created and probably does in terms of legacy, in terms of, of quality, how funny it is, how deep the bench of characters goes pre-1970, you've got to give it to Warner Brothers. And this was a golden age of animation. If you think we're in a great era now, which we are, there's tons of great stuff being made. Go look at what's happening in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s between Disney and Warner Brothers and MGM. So many great cartoons being made. But in the, the battle of Disney versus Warner Brothers, the winner is Warner Brothers. Asked and answered. Wow. You feel good about it, Hal? I do. I feel real good about it. I'm just happy well, to get to talk about them. I know. It is nice. And now I have to go watch all of them. Yes. Immediately. Uh, I think I'm going to start with How to Ski, and then I'm going to go watch Duck Amuck. <laughs> it's a perfect, um, perfect yeah. combination. It's kind of a perfect day. Um, this one is covered and in the history books and sealed for all time, but... Uh, we have a lot more topics to talk about. Uh, so if you would like to add a topic to our list, please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. There's probably a flame war happening right now. That's right. You can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or you can join us on our Facebook group and discuss everything that you've heard here and what you'd like to hear next. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus. Great job on this episode. Amen. Graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thank you as always to Mike Furman and Jonathan Dinerstein for our song and score respectively. And of course, thank you to you, our listeners. Uh, 
I want to curl up on a couch with all of you and grab a bowl of cereal and uh, turn on the television and watch Looney Tunes alternated with Disney shorts with you. And I promise we would have a great time. Thank you for listening to our show. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. That's all, folks. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.